bit down and then we'll go ahead and get started. <clears throat> Make sure you've grabbed a handout. Sean's walking around with them. Um, and we have hand mics for commentary um, during this, so um, we'll be running around with those as well. Well, I won't, somebody else will. Thank you, <laughs> by the team as well. Yes, <laughs> running, <laughs> speed walking, one of those two things. Sorry, that's not pretty. I just did a quick PDF. <laughs> hey, I, I did it on my iPads, but then it transferred, so. Um, all right. Um, we're going to be talking today about healing, um, and we're going to begin with the collect for um, the third Sunday in Advent, um, which was written by or constructed, it's probably a better way of phrasing it, by Archbishop John Cosin, who was the Archbishop of Canterbury in 1662, which is when um, the, the 62 prayer book was put together. So this is his, and I'd like you to listen as I'm reading it um, to, the, to what's being asked for and why, because this is a beautiful segue in, in the way that God often does. He hands us prayers and he times them so that we have this segue from last week's teaching by Patrick on metanoia, on turning and repenting, into this week's teaching on healing, which is also requiring turning. It's also requiring repentance. Um, and so this is just kind of this lovely little piece that connects um, pieces together. So, um, so I'll go ahead and read it. You can pray it, and then we'll talk about it a titch more. O Lord Jesus Christ, you sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation. Grant that the ministers and stewards of your mysteries may likewise make ready your way by turning the hearts of the disobedient toward the wisdom of the just, that as your second coming to judge the world, we may be found a people acceptable in your sight. For with the Father and the Holy Spirit, you live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. Um, I'd like to point out that this is one of the, also the few colleagues that addresses Lord Jesus Christ versus God Almighty, uh, Almighty God, O Lord. It's rarer to see the collect begin with Jesus' name, and this is one of those. And I also found that appropriate because we're talking about healing, and we're at the um, gospel lesson for today, which I'm not going to talk much about because um, Father Rob is going to be preaching on it, um, points towards healing, and it's kind of a neat, it's kind of a neat um, thing. So we are those people who are the ministers and stewards of his mysteries. It is not just Father Rob and Father James. If you are a Christian, you are a minister and steward of his mysteries. And this, so this is on us to do this work. This is what our life's work is going to be. And we're in a time period where we're talking about prophets a lot. Um, the gospel reading today is on, is on John the Baptist, the last prophet, um, pointing toward Jesus. Um, but... This is all of our jobs, to teach the word, to, to give this grace out that we have received. Um, I'm also going to point out, I'm just to do a little tiny housekeeping lectionary thing. There were, a, if you have a handout, and hopefully you do, you'll see a series of readings from Matthew. Those are not the lectionary readings in December at all. This is a book that's constructed by N.T. Wright to look at Matthew and read, read this through Matthew's lens. 
if you're following the lectionary um, for morning and evening prayer, which is found on page 762 of your, of your books of common prayer, um, you will find that all of the gospel readings are in the evening prayer and they're all on Luke. The, the morning and evening prayer readings vary between the gospels being read in the morning for the first half of the year and the evening for the second half of the year. So Matthew is actually read in, I want to say, like March and August-ish, September, somewhere in there. But December is always Luke, which is a, a good book for December. Um, so these are following the readings from this Advent for Everyone, Matthew. And if you don't have it, it's a lovely, it's a lovely reflect, reflection book to have. So. Okay, um, so our reading, gospel reading for today is John the Baptist, and he's one of my favorite people from scripture. From his birth, he's set apart, from before his birth, he's set apart to do this one job. And if you ever go to art museums or see public statues of him, he's often pointing, or he has a lamb by his side because he's the one that went, behold the lamb of God. His whole life's work, was not to play with the other kids on the playground. He, he walked around in animal skins and he ate locusts and honey. You cannot see him fitting in easily to a bunch of you know, social events. His whole job was to go, that is the Lamb of God, pointing to you towards the one who's coming after him, who is greater than him, whose sandals he's not even worthy to touch. That's his job. And he has this moment in our Bible reading for this morning's gospel in, in Matthew 11 where he sends his disciples, he's in jail. He sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the guy? Which is like a really startling question to ask. He has this thing where he sends them. And there are people who look at it and go, maybe he's just sending his disciples so that they can learn, and because they're gonna be then Jesus's disciples. He's gonna diminish, Jesus is gonna increase. Maybe he's doing that. But he asks this question, and what's particularly starkly obvious in Jesus' response to John, who is his cousin, he responds with the words of the prophet Isaiah. Tell John what you're seeing. The blind can see. The deaf can hear. The lame can walk. People who have skin diseases are healed. The dead are made alive again. He uses the prophet to answer the prophet in the way that Jesus always perfectly answers the person he's talking to with what they need to hear. He does this with his cousin in a way that is straightforward and clear and is not incredibly rude, although he kind of follows with a line that says, happy are those who like hear this and trust it. Hey, John. <laughs> you know, but, um, but we have this interaction that is calming, got to be calming to John, who is in prison. He's going to die. He's going to be condemned for speaking the truth. And Jesus' Jesus's words have got to connect to John as prophet to prophet, saying, look at the, look at the reality of this. Look at, the, look at what's going on. The, God is the God who Isaiah tells us, I am the one who heals you. Or not Isaiah, in Exodus, Moses' conversation with God. God says, I am the one who heals you. Jesus is doing this work now here. He is the one that's healing. And so the stories that we're going to look at, the um, sections of Matthew that we're going to look at, are about healing. And there were a million good choices. Well, there were seven good choices in, in this reading, in the readings for today to talk about. So I decided to choose um, the healing of the paralytic and the questions on forgiveness. Um, because healing is a topic that is really broad. 
and, and multifaceted. So I, I wanna ask you to take a minute and turn to the people in the pews around you and think about and talk out loud about what you understand healing to be. Because it can be physical, it can be mental, it can be spiritual, it can be whatever. What's your understanding of a definition of healing? So just take a couple minutes, think and talk to the people who are in whatever natural groupings you can find about what you think healing is. Okay, um, I'm going to ask Father James to walk around. Are there, if anybody would like to share kind of what you came up with in your group, raise your hand and he will come and find you. So if you have something you'd like to share and please share, um, that would be, now is the time to do that. Go ahead. I love wearing pad bonders, that's great. <laughs> 
Well, I said immediately, what immediately comes to mind is physical healing, but I know there's people suffer from mental illnesses, but then David very eloquently said he thinks of healing as kind of setting everything back to normal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But we also all, all of us expressed kind of a skepticism about healing mm -hmm. because we don't always see that evidence of God healing. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. Anybody else like to piggyback onto that? I think the it's hard comment is a very appropriate, um, you know, when you, when you talk about healing, it takes work, it takes faith, it, it's, it is hard. Um, okay, thanks James. Um, we're blessedly and diff with difficulty in a time period where we're talking about illnesses a lot. You know, the last two and a half years, if they've done nothing else, they've ripped off the cover of not talking about things like anxiety and depression, which many, many, many people suffer from or work with or live with um, in varying degrees of being able to function. And so there's a lot of talk about what's your diagnosis, what's your this, what's your that. There's less talk about healing. There's a lot of talk about going to see therapists, which is also, I'm incredibly thankful. I'm somebody who depression and anxiety are rife throughout our, both my family and Sean's family. Um, and um, so it is something that <clears throat> I'm, I'm really aware needs healing, but I'm also really aware that it's something that you're generally gonna live with for much of your life. And the, the therapy allows you to put it into an appropriate place so that you can learn to cope with it. But healing from it, that's, that seems to be a different conversation and people don't really talk about healing from it. They talk about living with it. And so healing is a very complex kind of conversation because learning to cope with it in many ways is a healing in and of itself. Um, so we're gonna look at two sections of Matthew the first one is 9, 1 to 18. So if you can open an app or use your pew Bible or whatever you, however you have God's word delivered to you, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, and I would like to ask a volunteer to read 9, 1 to 8 so that you're not just listening to my voice. Excellent. Thanks, Monica. And your husband has to have a hand mic. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> the hub's working together. So Matthew 9, 1 to 8. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city, and behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. 
But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. Thank you. Thanks. As Jesus passed that, on. I think, oh, that's it. That's through. That should be it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so looking at this question, I, I just want to give a quick plug to Through the Roof Ministries because as you, um, if you've read this story um, elsewhere in the Gospels, the friends lower this man through the roof of the house. They literally cut open or push aside the roof of the house and lower the man through the roof of the house. So, um, so when Through the Roof Ministries was started quite a few years ago, it was about making sure that people could get into building, to, to, either to the building or into a classroom or to, to access learning in the way that helped them. So if you have ever wondered where Through the Roof Ministries got its name, it's, it is that. And that's what we're um, trying to focus on more accessibility here for. Um, so these men have lowered their friend through the roof. What strikes you about this story? Looking at kind of diffusely, what strikes you about this story? What are the things that touch you? Yeah. Sorry. The faith that they had that they would find solution, help, find mm -hmm. it. The faith of the friends to find the solution for their friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bye. I keep thinking we're here. So Wait, what, what, That's all I've been saying. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I can literally tell you, having listened to the last two of these online, you can hear nothing that is said without a mic. It's it's very frustrating from a from a listening standpoint. That expression, it just came to mind. That, sorry. You where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. And the will of the friends was that their friend was healed. They're not talking about the faith of the paralytic. They're talking about the faith of the friends, because you now the paralytic may well have had faith, but the friends are the ones that carried him there. Yep. Yes, that's what I was going to say. The friends, how much they in, they they were there for him. They mm -hmm. carried him. They, I don't know if anybody's seen the, the chosen, but <laughs> they're. I mean, they make a way to help him and they mm -hmm. come around him to support him mm -hmm. and bring him to Jesus and it could have cost their you know them their lives because there was a lot of people against Jesus at that time mm -hmm. so their friends stood up with a lot of courage right mm -hmm. Brad hang on a second okay I was I'm always struck by the people who call them out and like mm -hmm. it seems like people always want to try to find the negative and not see the hope that's there mm -hmm. um, 
By the way, a plug for the chosen. <laughs> this this scene is played out beautifully in the, in in the, the chosen, so I highly recommend it. Okay, thank you. And then Elizabeth, go ahead. Yeah, I'm I'm struck by like how odd Jesus' question is. You know, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk. I I don't really know which what the answer is, right? Um, so N.T. Wright's take on that is that this man is paralyzed by sin. He has done something so wrong that he's physically shut down. And that he is, he is there because he can no longer function. It, it, it's a weird thing to say, you know, your sins are forgiven. What sins? You know, that you don't see the friends going, our friend did this horrible thing and he shut down and whatever. Why is he going that direction? And when you get those weird questions, like John the Baptist going, hey, are you the guy <laughs> to Jesus? That clues you in that something bigger is going on, right? Is that, is that you would think, it's not easy for, I can't say, you know, get, you know you're healed. That's, unless God is doing that work, I can't do that work. Um, but it is, it's a very odd question. It puts you on that guard of, What's, what's, he, what's he doing? And it's going to ignite a firestorm. It's going to ignite a political firestorm because this is the, that point in the gospel in Matthew where you finally see the scribes are going, oh, hey, this guy's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, Elizabeth first and then Jim. I love this story because I see it as a metaphor for prayer. Mm -hmm. When you're sick and you can't do much, and to know that all your friends are carrying you to Jesus in prayer, mm -hmm. it's the greatest comfort, and it's, it's, you know, you feel the power. Preach it. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. Okay, and then, Jimmy, you've got a... Yeah, I'm, um, I'm kind of uh, struggling with this whole business of the connection between sin and ill health. Mm -hmm. The... Um, uh, it was a, a very common thing, the way I understand it, in the day of Jesus to make that connection very strongly. Correct. Mm -hmm. So for Jesus to be reinforcing it here in front of those who loved to reinforce it, I mean, the mm -hmm. Pharisees and the, are mentioned here, aren't they? Mm -hmm. The scribes, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's um, it's it's pretty interesting to me, and it, it's also uh, I, I've seen it used. Uh, I mean, it's very tempting to make a one-to-one -one, um, connection between healing and faith, mm -hmm. and when we do that, we're uh, it's scary. I've seen it. It's really not. Well, that's treating God good. right. That's treating God as your service desk. Yeah. That's saying if I pray the right way, if I live the right way, if I do da 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 da, he will then do blah blah blah, That's and right. I've controlled the situation. Yeah. You know, and and it's and if I conversely, if I'm not praying hard enough, if I'm not doing the right things, if I'm not whatever, you know, you see right. people get healed who aren't, who don't know God at all, you know, and yeah. you know, and are physically healed, you know. People who seem the most sincere and uh, God-loving people in the world. Mm -hmm. And why are they suffering this way? Right. You know, we don't know. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the answer often is exactly, we don't know. 
it's God's purpose, but we don't understand what, and, and you know, as I used to say all the time when I was teaching small children, and they'd come up with a question that was like theologically immense, and you're sitting there thinking, and I'd always say, you know, Mrs. McCarthy is going to ask Jesus that when I get there, because I have a really long list of questions. <laughs> you know, it's good to have them, it's good to write them down, and <laughs> you can ask him later, which is kind of a punt, but... But it's also really true that, that there's a lot of that we don't understand. But it's very dangerous, I agree with you, to tie, you know, things like mental illness got tied often to a lack of faith or to, um, to sin. And it's not that we don't sin, but the question is, is that that tie isn't necessarily correlated easily. So any other thoughts before we, yeah, Bruce? I'm also very troubled by, uh, by this connection between sin and illness and mm -hmm. other places in scripture where sin seems to be connected to disability. Mm -hmm. uh, right, right. I find it very helpful to zoom way back out to the more global uh, biblical vision of peace, shalom, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is uh, the harmony of all of creation, it encompasses what we call spiritual, physical, mental, and not just us personally, but all of creation. Right. So at some fundamental level, yes, these are related, but it doesn't mean necessarily uh, you are paralyzed because you did something bad. Mm -hmm. right. uh, you are mm -hmm. depressed because you did something bad. Correct. Although, actually, uh, sometimes that, that is that the is case. It. Right, exactly. But that's, a, yeah. but that's not what this It's not always means. the case, or, or even maybe half the time the case. Yeah. So yeah. I find that, that more global vision of, of peace to be really helpful. Mm -hmm. in, it's when in the whole world is healed, is the idea. Yeah. When the whole world is yeah. brought to right. And we're not there now. Right. We're not there at all. Um, Denti writes, says, a glance at the paralyzed man on his stretcher told Jesus all he needed to know. This paralysis was the sort where, what, sort where what we would call psychological forces had reduced the body to immovability. The man had done something, perhaps many things, of which he was deeply ashamed. He was in over his head, as we say, and saw no way out. He not only felt guilty, he was guilty, and he knew it. And gradually, this gnawing sense of guilt stopped him from doing things. Then it stopped him from moving his body altogether. And finally, his friends took their faith and their friend in their own hands and brought him to Jesus. Um, and that is something that I had never really looked at it that way, ever. That had not been a part of anything I'd ever read about what was going on with the paralytic. To me, it was much more about his friends bringing him to Jesus and Jesus knowing what his need was, meeting it and telling him to rise. I get caught up on the words, telling him to rise and walk. He does that three times in this segment, and it's a very, you know, when you're looking at what's going to happen in the structure of scripture, as it heads towards the cross. That's what I tend to get, kind of my brain gets caught up in. Um, so this was a, this was kind of a startling thing, and he goes on to say, um, Already in the story, we can see looming up ahead and inviting us forward into the climax of the book, the shape of Jesus' whole ministry. He has come as the Son of Man, the Messiah, Israel's representative, and he has come not just to deal with the oppression caused by Rome, but to address the deeper and darker oppression caused by evil itself. Beyond that, again, he has come to challenge evil's ultimate result, which is not just paralysis, but death itself. That's his healing focus. 
um, which is which is why I'm going to head us in, and we've got just a few minutes um, to Matthew 18:21 to 35, which is the challenge of forgiveness, because so much of healing doesn't actually have to, anything to do with your physical state. You can be really, really in physical bad shape and be healed. And so um, one of the things that really struck me with Bishop Cameron when he was talking at um, convention and when he came here, he pointed at it as well, is that the only thing that he can do to talk to people about healing is to point at the gospel and to talk about forgiveness. And so um, that's certainly a component of it. I listed in your handout... um, under the questions to ponder, the second thing is elements of healing. Mercy is one of them. And that's, that's a big thing um, that I've been kind of reading about and studying about for the last couple of years at least. Um, so if you could just skim to yourself Matthew 18, 21 to 35, and then look up here when you're done reading so I know you're tracking. Okay. Why is Peter asking this question? Peter's initial question says, Master, how many times must I forgive my brother when he sins against me? As many as seven times? Why is he asking the question? Is it a question we have? There's a mic coming your direction. I'm just thinking it's hard to, to believe that you are forgiven yourself. Mm-hmm. I know that I have prayed the same prayer to God to forgive me for something a dozen times because I just can't comprehend that he would do that. So I think Peter's mm-hmm. saying, I think he's kind of flipping that a little bit and mm-hmm. asking the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's a very wise take on it, and not one that you hear people commonly say. Mm-hmm. Are there thoughts about why is he asking this? It, it probably doesn't do to psychologize like this, but you know, you wonder if he has something very specific in mind that he's struggling to forgive somebody about. Mm-hmm. Oh, you. Yeah, sure. You wonder if maybe he has a very specific person in mind that he is struggling to forgive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Jesus' answer to him, 
I wouldn't say seven times, replied Jesus. Why not 70 times seven? And then he goes on to tell the story about the royal personage who wanted to settle up accounts with his servants. What do you make of Jesus's response to him? Penny, hang on a second. Okay. <laughs> we are doing really good with the mics this morning. I'm really pleased. <laughs> He's kind of saying, um, if you're going to forgive once, mm -hmm. why not always forgive? Right, right. Is there a limit to forgiveness, which is a, which is a question. Somebody's doing the same thing to you over and over and over again, and you confront them, and you're straight with them, and you talk to them, and they do the same thing over and over and over again. You know, I always get that as a picture of God being frustrated with me over my whole life and then think, is Anne doing this again? Yes. <laughs> if I bring it again, yes. You know, but yeah, why, why do you need a number? And human beings, we like a number. I've forgiven this person five times, six I don't have to deal with. But, you know, five, that's, that's the number, you know, check. <laughs> so any other thoughts with it? Back to Mark, both Mark and Mark and Mark, both. Oh, Monica and Mark. Okay, so I also believe that um, unforgiveness can have a toll on my body if I do not forgive. It mm -hmm. can make me physically ill. And so it's such an uncomfortable feeling. And I don't know, it's just really bizarre. Like when I forgive quickly, I feel a sense of peace and... Mm -hmm. Uh, restoration, if you will. I mm -hmm. think having a, a, an unforgiving spirit uh, tends to lead to resentment, anger, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all those things can make me physically ill. Mm -hmm. And so I am quick to forgive mm -hmm. <laughs> or work yeah. through it, I should say. Or at you least know? try, yeah. Just try yeah. and, mm -hmm. and process maybe even with a spiritual person mm -hmm. who can help me in my journey towards forgiveness mm -hmm. for whatever it is that has been bothering me or that right. I did to someone or someone did to me. Mm -hmm. so. Yep. Good. Thank you. Yeah. And Mark? I like that Jesus makes the metaphor money mm -hmm. for forgiveness because it sort of, <laughs> it, it clarifies things in a helpful way and kind of like takes emotion out of the situation in a way that is helpful, right? It's, it's, you often feel like, oh, if I forgive this person, it's sort of unconditionally telling them, it's fine that you did that, don't worry about it. But that's, it's different, right? It's, mm -hmm. Jesus says, why not think about it just like squaring a debt? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that mm -hmm. changes how you think. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Any other thoughts? Okay. Mark. Um, just thinking about, like, Peter's question of how many times should I forgive and throwing that back of like, how many times would you want God to forgive you? Mm -hmm. And if you set a limit to that, and like, well, I've sinned this sin like five times, then God, you're like, whatever, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah, you want God to keep forgiving you. And so mm -hmm. the expectation that you would set for God, like, why wouldn't you have that for yourself? And if he keeps loving you and forgiving you, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you keep loving and forgiving? Right, and it should mirror if I'm if I'm understanding you correctly, it should it, your your actions should mirror Jesus's. 
you know, and should mirror that. You should want to give to other people that you have received yourself. And that is a, um, that's a very good spur to, to push you towards, um, towards what you should be doing. Um, just that you've received that, the relief of forgiveness um, is, should make you want to um, pass that along. Do you see in the very end, one of the harder phrases of scripture um, is verse 35. And that's what my heavenly father will do to you unless each of you forgives your brother or sister from your heart. It is not a it's okay response, like Mark was pointing at. It's not an it's okay response. It's an I forgive you response. Those are vastly different things. Do you guys see wiggle room in that? Because <laughs> I've looked for it. can confess I do not find it. Um, because people do hard things, you know. And people do big, long things. Yeah. Jim? I think it's so interesting, the deep connection between um, the knowledge, you know, salvation and forgiveness. Um, Luke says that uh, we receive the knowledge of salvation, salvation including healing, healing, I mean, Hebrew word and all that, it, right. healing is included there. And he says that he came, Jesus came to give us the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Like there's this deep down thing about once we get the forgiveness of sins, we know something about healing and about salvation. Right, and it all points to what Jesus did at the cross. Mm. It all points mm -hmm. that direction because mm. he took on our sin at that, at that moment. He laid his yeah. head down. One of the, several of the readings point toward he has no home. People are like, what do I need to do to follow you? And Jesus is like, I have no home. You can't live with me. I, there's no place for me to lay my head down. And the last reading that we're given by N.T. Wright in this section is him laying his head down on the cross. Mm. The people that is left and is right, they're criminals. Mm -hmm. He's laying his head down on the cross. He's, he's doing that work of forgiveness. And when we do that, we're again imitating Christ. We're getting a foretaste or a taste of what God does all the time and what he did for us on the cross and how we can participate if you will, in the salvation of others by doing what he to did. To truly forgive then, we have to die. Mm -hmm. You're dying to self, yeah. absolutely. There's, and there's not another way around it. Yeah. And it's, there are days when it's, I'll, you know, I'll just tell you, it's really hard. I, and often as I'm really, really angry at somebody, generally that they've hurt somebody I love. Yeah. Nothing makes me angrier than that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm not forgiving them for something they've done to me. I'm forgiving them for something they've done to somebody else that I view as being completely unacceptable. But that anger, as Monica was pointing out earlier, destroys me. Yeah. You know, and, and that is not what God wants for me. That's not what a loving father God wants for me. He wants me to participate mm -hmm. in that work of healing and forgiveness. And you can't do that when you're angry at people. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just you're not being honest. So. I think there's also something to consider in terms of the weightiness of our unwillingness to forgive if, if, if we understand that in some way we are um, 
standing in the way of somebody else's salvation mm -hmm. by our unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's there's not wiggle room <laughs> in, the, in the not forgiving. You know, there's there's no way. Bishop Lyons, I remember him calling it the bummer line of the of the our Father was forgive us our trespasses as we forgive other people who trespass against us. That is the bummer line of that prayer. I was like, yeah, that's the bummer line of the prayer. You're right. So. Um, so um, I've given you some questions to kind of ponder as you're reading the um, readings. The, the, if you look at your handout, the readings are listed first, and what follows each of those are the questions that N.T. Wright asks about those passages. So those, those, that's his genius. That's got nothing to do with me in comparison. Um, but, um, but the questions at the bottom, thinking about what healing looks like, thinking about what churches exhibiting mercy looks like. Those are things that if we want to be a healing source of healing and peace to the world, those are, those are questions we need to consider both individually and corporately as, as a people. To, if we want to be like Jesus, and we do, then our, that's kind of the test of how we're, or one of the many tests we have of how are we doing. So, um, so that is it. Does anybody have any questions? Because we are a little bit over time. So, no? good. All right. I would, it, I would advise you to get this book if you don't have it. Anything by N.T. Wright is great, but this has been a particularly sweet thing to read. So, thank you. Oh, last call.